you guys can trade pictures. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We are coming to you from the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island during the 2021 Mackinac Policy Conference. Uh, we are talking to all of the leaders and uh, decision makers that we can up here for this uh, three-day conference. Uh, it has been a really eventful year for the city of Detroit, to say the least. Michigan's largest city is headed for municipal elections that could have big implications for the city's future. Voters recently rejected a sweeping rewrite of the city's charter that critics claim could have sent the city back into bankruptcy. And multiple members of the Detroit City Council have been facing federal investigations or corruption charges. This is all while the city is facing down uh, a pandemic that has hit its residents especially hard and while the city continues to move forward in its revitalization. The pandemic seems to have slowed some of the progress that we have seen in recent years. Here to talk about all of this and this juncture for the city is the mayor of the city of Detroit, Mike Duggan. Uh, mayor, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Good to see you here up on Mackinac. Uh, so first, I, I want to start with the election. You are running for a third term uh, in November. And you said last week something that kind of disappointed me. You said that you won't debate your opponent in the November election, former De Detroit Deputy Mayor Anthony Adams. Can you explain to me why you won't do that? Sure. I, I didn't run just to make the city run better. Uh, I ran to try to change politics in Detroit. Uh, and you remember for years, politics in Detroit was division. It was us versus them, pit people against each other, and pit Detroit against the suburbs, put Detroit against Lance and unions against the mayor. Uh, and if you look at uh, what uh, has been done over the last eight years, you've seen a partnership between the mayor and the city council, a partnership between Detroit and Lansing, a partnership between Detroit and Washington. And so well, eight years ago, I debated Benny Napoleon. Four years ago, I debated uh, Senator Coleman Young. They had ideas, positive ideas for the city that I disagreed with, but we debated. This campaign has been nothing but spewing hate. It's been us versus them, and it's been venom. Uh, and I will not give a platform for hate. I don't hmm. think there's any place for it. I'm not going to support it. And I'm hopeful after the results come in that four years from now, whoever's running, uh, that this uh, spewing of hate and, and pitting people against each other will be gone from Detroit once and for all. So, so I, I understand what you're saying about the campaign, and it has been a, a pretty divisive one. But what about the voters who support uh, Anthony Adams? I mean, he got, uh, I, I don't remember what the number was, but he got S votes. He got 7,000. Yeah, yeah, right, in, okay. the, in the primary. And presumably there will be, uh, you know, Detroiters who will vote for him in November. Is it disrespectful to them to not give him the opportunity to say why he will do the job differently from you? No, and, and I, they may very well vote for him again uh, in, uh, in November, but each of us is going to run our campaign our own way. But I think this is a really important thing. I think in this country, too much hate speech has been allowed. Uh, it's been allowed too much on Facebook. It's been allowed too much on Twitter. You go right down the line. 
Uh, but I'm now eight years in as mayor, and I have not vetoed a single action of city council in eight years. I don't know when that's happened in the city's history. It doesn't mean we don't disagree. We have very vigorous disagreements, but they're professional. We work them through, and we end up with common ground. And so uh, people can criticize me all they like. I am trying to change politics in the city. I'm taking a stand on this. I really don't care who criticizes me. Uh, I, I just don't think this kind of campaign deserves a platform. Certainly, I'm not going to contribute to it. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to say, for the record, I disagree with that. I really I am a, a huge advocate of the idea of the contest of ideas, even when those ideas uh, might be odious. But that word you're using, hate speech, is is really powerful. Is that what you feel? And he, he himself, I don't know if you saw the interview, he said, yeah, I am talking about hate. All the things I hate about Mike Duggan. He's, he's embracing that language. Uh, and that is where it is. But I got to tell you, I'm not running into voters in Detroit saying, gee, I'm undecided. I need a debate to make up my mind. Uh, and maybe you're fighting them. But uh, so far, the only people complaining have been members of the media and the Adam supporters. Uh, so, Well, we do uh, love debates in the media. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I do want to talk about city council and the situation with multiple members of council and these issues with either charges of corruption or investigations. Uh, former councilman uh, Gabe Leland pleaded guilty and resigned over misconduct. Uh, former councilman uh, Andre Spivey, well, councilman Andre Spivey was charged with bribery. Now the FBI has raided City Hall and the homes of council members Janae Ayers and Scott Benson. These are all people you work really closely with, as you just uh, were talking about. Um, tell us how you're taking in all of all of this news, you know, in a city that's had a long history of problems with corruption. Uh, well, it's it's not good for the city at all, uh, and we'll see what happens. Of course, with the last two, it's a search warrant. It's not a charge, and right. there are a whole lot of cases where search warrants are executed because you're trying to determine if you have a case, and once the warrant's executed, you realize you don't have one and no charges are brought. In other cases, the search warrant produces the evidence you've been looking for, so I don't think people should read too much into uh, search warrants, um, but... Uh, you know, we still have, and I think as it all comes out, it'll become clear, uh, we still have too much opportunity uh, among the towing contracts for people to try to operate uh, at the margins. And why in this city in 2011, towers were hand-selected for permits without competitive bidding, mm -hmm. uh, and I've been trying to undo that now, and we, we, we terminated several towers. We went to the city of Detroit self-towing that's cut into it, uh, but we need, I think what Brenda Jones has proposed about transparency uh, in the uh, billing on storage fees and the like is a good uh, step forward. She's been pushing that hard, and I know Chief White is going to come forward very shortly uh, with a, a plan that anybody who's a tower uh, you're going to have to go through a public selection process. Your fees are going to be transparent. Your storage fees, you've heard the story over and over from Detroiters, wasn't the original towing fee. It was what they charged me from stowing and I, for, for storage, and I couldn't even figure out where my car was for four days. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of games being played that need to be cleaned up, and I know Chief White uh, is going to... Uh, uh, be acting very quickly on this. So, so, uh, and you mentioned towing, which seems to be the subject of, uh, of of these investigations. But that kind of fits into a larger context of the way that business gets done in the city of Detroit. And we still do not have the strictest ethics uh, guidelines or ordinances 
that we could. Is that something that we ought to be thinking about? Again, again, I don't. I don't think when when you see what comes out that there was any shortage of of rules. But you say in the city of Detroit, the feds have indicted and convicted 22 Macomb County officials. Far another, more. Another jurisdiction right, but, with but real problems. Far more than yes. than in Detroit. But you've got a situation uh, where the people who are trying to influence. Uh, you know, and this is the thing I've expressed to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we're also charging the people uh, who are attempting to purchase influence, because you can't just give them a free pass. Uh, and I think they understand that. Uh, but, but you've got a lot of people in southeastern Michigan, uh, in a lot of local jurisdictions, where there's a lot of money at stake operating at, uh, at the fringes. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping... Uh, that the U.S. Attorney puts as much energy in the people trying to acquire influence as, as they do on the elected officials. But I'm not reaching any conclusion uh, on, the, on the folks so far. A search warrant's a search warrant. We'll see if anything comes of it. Yeah. But, but you don't think we need uh, stricter rules here? Again, we ha- in, after the Kilpatrick uh, administration, uh, there's now you've got an independent auditor general. You have an independent board of ethics at the city of Detroit, appointed jointly by the mayor and the council. Uh, so the, there are clear ethics policies. I, I don't know that the issue is a lack of uh, rules. And, of course, if the feds are involved, it suggests that there's a federal law involved. Right. So I'm not sure uh, that, that a new rule is going to matter, but I guess we'll wait and see what comes out of this. Yeah. So, so I want to spend what little time we have left talking about the city coming out of uh, the pandemic and the things that have changed uh, for the city because of the pandemic. You're, you're going to have a lot of money to spend uh, because of the stimulus bill, uh, trying to to repair some of that damage, I assume. But give me a sense of where you think we are. I mean, if you go downtown right now, it, there's no way to not take note of how different it is than it was before the pandemic. We'll get back to some semblance of normalcy, but there's a hit there. Well, it depends on when you go down. You go down nights and, and weekends. weekends. It is yeah. as big as a crowd as ever. You go down at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday, <laughs> there's no doubt the offices yes. are emptier. And this is true in Chicago. It's true in New York. It's true all across America. I think you're going to see uh, uh, the large buildings across the country start to shift from office to residential. Uh, even when they go back, uh, people have learned a lot more about the flexibility. I think a lot of people are going to go back with maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of the space that they had before. On the other hand, people want to live where the entertainment is, the excitement is, the riverfront is. And so I think you are going to see Detroit morph in the downtown area into maybe a little bit less office and a little bit more residential. And for a lot of companies, that's not a bad thing. People tend to shop where they live. Uh, so. So we'll see how that goes. But you say coming out of the pandemic. I don't perceive us as coming We're out of the pandemic yet, yet, yet. at all. I think we've got another wave coming. I think if you look at what's happening in Ohio and Indiana now, uh, it is a matter of time uh, in the next month or two uh, before we see the next wave in traditional flu season in, in Michigan. So I'm more focused on getting through the next wave. Uh, than I am in what happens when the wave is over. Mm. Uh, what about neighborhoods? Uh, the effect, I mean, and there the effect is uh, much more focused on public health, I think, uh, on employment. Uh, uh, again, we took a bigger hit than than, than other places. Well, what, what's happened to our neighbors, our property values have soared. Yeah. Uh, the land bank has been selling three to 400 houses a month. 
uh, in 70% of them to Detroiters. There was something about this pandemic that caused people sitting around their house to say, why am I paying $1,000 a month in rent and have to worry about being evicted when I can buy a house, fix it up, and pay my taxes for 900 and own it? And so one of the things the pandemic has done, it has caused a significant shift back to home ownership uh, in the neighborhoods and and with the property values growing as quickly as they can you know what happens right now if a, mm -hmm. if a house ready to go in Detroit goes on the market it's flooded it's with offers uh, uh, so the pandemics had an unintended consequence in that it appears to be driving uh, home ownership and, and increasing occupancy in the neighborhood houses mm -hmm. okay uh, Mayor Mike Duggan always great to talk with you thanks for coming by here on Mackinac and Keep thinking about that debate. I think you should do it. Uh, uh, 2025, Stephen. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about all of the extreme weather and power outages this summer and the renewed calls to bury power lines. Now the leader of one of Michigan's major utilities says he agrees. Consumers Energy CEO Garrick Rochow joins us next. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.